Hi everybody and welcome to the first part of a brand new series that we're starting today. But before we go any further, let me just thank you for joining us online. I don't know if you can believe it, but it has been a little over six months since we have met together in person. So even though we are meeting in person today uh, in the building with many people, I know that there are many of you for different reasons that uh, are preferring to tune in from online. So let me just say thank you in advance. Until we feel like we can do a good enough job uh, live streaming the services, we want to make sure that we give you the best possible uh, experience online. So that's why we're still recording these messages uh, separately. And so, yeah, I really do hope that you're able to engage and still get the heart behind what it is that I believe God wants us to catch during this series. So we've entitled it Thrive. And uh, I know that in this season, that might sound a little bit uh, tense in terms of, you know, for some people, the idea might just be, hey, I want to survive. Thank you very much. If I can just get through today, if I can just get out of bed, if I can just brush my teeth, that's a pretty big deal. And for some people, that might genuinely be where you're at. Um, I want to acknowledge the fact that people are, are in different places in their journey right now. But I do want to encourage you, even if uh, your great goal right now is to survive, that's great. I want to encourage you to keep moving forward, though, and to keep surviving until you are actually able to thrive. And what I mean by thrive is just simply getting to a place where we are flourishing, where there is life, uh, and eventually where there's even some, some fruit and some reproduction. We're going to be taking a look today and in the three weeks ahead at four of our core values as a church because I really do believe that our values form our habits and our habits form our culture and our culture actually forms our lives. And so we are being formed, whether we know it or not, whether it's intentional or not, we're all being formed. And I believe that one of my responsibilities as your pastor is to... Uh, get you to pause every now and then and actually reflect and, and try and be honest with yourself about whether or not you're being formed intentionally or whether you're allowing yourself to be formed unintentionally because we're, we're all being formed. And so the, kind of the, the, the big question that we're going to be asking throughout this series, so we're going to have a separate question for each week, but the big overarching question throughout this series is, am I living in a way today that will help me thrive tomorrow? Am I living in a way today that'll help me thrive tomorrow? So even if today is about survival, that's fine. But are you, are you doing the little bit that you can? I remember speaking to someone some time ago who's, who battled depression and anxiety for many years. And they were saying that for them, um, in, in a, and they were being completely sincere, just being able to, just being made to brush their teeth that day, just to get through one task was already a win. And so for some people, yes, surviving today is a big enough deal and that's okay. But we want to make sure that even if we're going through a winter, and of course, many of us are coming out of many types of winters <laughs> right now, both uh, literally and, and figuratively, that we, so winter is a legit season, but we don't want to, we don't want to stay in winter any longer than we have to. We want to as much as possible, as much as it depends on me, do the little bits that I can. And in some cases, some of us are in a great place. You're able to do, you're able, you're able to take big steps. We're wanting to do what we can to move towards spring, to move towards summer. Am I living in a way today that'll help me to thrive tomorrow? As I mentioned, our, our values influence our habits and our, our habits, our culture and our culture, our lives. And so what I want to talk about 
over the next few weeks are our core values. And for those of you that haven't done Growth Track yet, I want to encourage you to do that. In fact, you can sign up today. You can do part one today online. But our four values that get addressed later on in Growth Track are that we want to commit to loving God, loving people, pursuing excellence, and choosing joy, which is really speaking about our, our attitude. We, like these aren't just words or phrases for us. You can see behind me is a scripture on the wall. Like that's not just a nice little sentimental thought. That's, that, is the, <laughs> that is the phrase, the scripture that Jesus used to sum up everything to do with Christianity, that we love God and love people. And we believe that as we do that, we're going to also pursue excellence, which means we're going to do our best. And we're going to constantly check our attitude that we're not just living under the circumstances and giving into everything that's, that's challenging us and allowing that to harden our hearts and, and to make us negative and bitter. No, no, we actually want to choose. Choosing joy isn't about being bouncy and flouncy. Choosing joy is about choosing a faithful attitude and optimistic attitude. But today, I want to simply kick off by looking at our first value, which is that of loving God. For many of us, this is obvious, and, and, and I get that, so please don't switch off. I'm hoping that as we've finished up this series throughout September on Irresistible, that I'm hoping that many of you have been encouraged and drawn and, and, and attracted to, to this God that we have the privilege of getting to serve and getting to enjoy and getting to experience a personal relationship with. So, so yes, it is our number one goal. If we don't get this right, it doesn't matter what else we get right. We want us, ourselves, and it's our prayer for you to love God, to love Him passionately. And kind of the, the key word, if I'm going to try and take a, a particular approach or an angle today, just to maybe touch on this in a slightly fresh way, it is the word presence. I want to focus on the idea of us being present with God. It's not possible for us to actually love God if we are hardly ever allowing ourselves to be present with Him. We live in, a, in an attention economy. We, we are easily distracted all the time. And so we have to, we have to make quite a, quite a concerted effort, quite a deliberate choice to be present with God. It's amazing that I can be having a quiet time. So I can be reading the Bible and actually not be present with God because my mind is all over the place. Or I can be in church and... My, you know, my lips and my mouth might be singing a worship song, yet my mind is somewhere else and I'm not actually present. I can be so rushed, so harassed, so distracted that I'm not actually present with God. And so my, my big goal is to encourage you to, to regularly review how present you are managing to be with God. In fact, as I said to you, there's the one question over the whole series, but each week a separate question. The question for this week, the question that I'd love for you to ask yourself regularly, if not daily, is how present have I been with God today? How present have I been with God today? Not just did I tick a box, did I read the Bible, did I listen to a quick devotional, did I, did I open my version Bible app, did I, did I go to life group? You know, and I, those things might help you to be present, but you can do those things and not be present. I believe that you can be more present with God in a meeting at the office than, than what you are in a church service. So, so I, I want to almost debunk any kind of legalism. I'm not talking about just where you are and what you're doing. I'm saying that you can experience God's presence with you as you're going to a meeting. You can experience God's presence with you as you're dealing with a conflict situation, I had to handle something incredibly uh, 
difficult and sensitive and draining for me just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah, just incredibly challenging. And even though I felt so bad for the couple and, and I was so empathetic, I, I was still able to experience God's peace and, and I had a sense of His presence with me in this situation. And so I just want to encourage you to constantly be asking yourself, how present have I been with God today? So there's one question I want practice. The practice, this, this, I don't want this to limit you, but I want to encourage you to spend at least 15 focused minutes a day with God. To spend at least 15 focused minutes a day with God. Is that enough for many of us long term? I think the answer is no. I think that we might either need a few spurts of time like that with God in a day or, or many spiritual formation uh, directors would encourage people to spend maybe half an hour or an hour. I'm not limiting you to 15 minutes, but I do want to, I want to give you some kind of reference point where we're asking ourselves, how, have I, how much have I experienced God's presence today? And have I spent at least 15 focused minutes with God a day? So very quickly, I want to take a look at just a couple of principles that I think will help us in being present and being present is going to help us to love God. In fact, as I was thinking through and preparing this message, I actually, for some reason, the thought came into my mind. Um, some of the principles that we've often spoken about here in church, and again, if you've done Growth Track, you will have heard it mentioned there. But our, our, the principles and our attitude towards giving when it comes to, to honoring God with our income. And we talk about three principles. We talk about uh, the fact that it's a priority, that it's a percentage, and that is progressive. So, so we don't just give a rand value per se. We, we actually are looking, sorry, rather that's percentage. Priority means that it's coming off the top. So it's the beginning of the month. We say to people, I say to people, if I have to wait till the end of the month, I ain't going to have anything left to give. I've got to, I've got to actually make it a priority at the beginning. For me, it's a percentage because I believe that I might, I might think I'm giving a lot when actually I realize, wait, I'm only, I'm only giving 0.5% of everything that I believe God has given to me. So for us, for example, we... We have a standard in our family of, of where we start with 10% and then look at other things that we think God wants us to do. So it's a percentage. But also, it's progressive in that we, I believe that we need to check ourselves every now and then whether or not God is wanting me to make any kind of adjustment. And you might be in a different season of life. Um, or God's just, just encouraging you to put on a bigger jacket of generosity. So that's what I mean by it's progressive. It's not just stagnant. So I want to apply those same principles and add one more to what I'm talking about in terms of our love for God. And that love being spelt T-I-M-E, or more specifically being spelt out, I'm not going to say it, but presence. We want to actually be present with God. So let me take a look at the idea of priority. I want us, if, if you're wanting to live a life that is thriving, that is flourishing, if you want to live a life that is going to overflow, that can withstand the rigors of distractions and competition and temptation and battles and just the many, many things that we have to, to draw our attention away every day. Guys, we are going to have to make it a priority to spend time with God, to be present with God. Ever since I started talking, I don't even know how long ago, a year or two ago about, the, about like digital distraction, I've tried to make some changes with my, with my phone habits. I haven't gotten it all right, but, but one of the things that, I've, that I get right more often than not is putting my phone on flight mode at night and 
doing everything I can to resist the temptation to take my phone off of flight mode until I've spent time with God. I feel like I need to spend time with God first thing in the morning. Even if you don't have an hour to spend with God because you, you're going to leave so early, but it could even just be the first few minutes that you're in bed before you get out of bed, before your feet touch the ground, where you're, you're making it a priority to thank God for something, to commit the day to God, to surrender to His agenda, to His will for the day. Make it a priority. You will be amazing at how much prioritizing time with God will affect your day. And by the way, again, maybe you're someone that has to be on the road by 4 a.m. I don't know. Maybe you can't spend much time with God in the morning, but for some people, their day starts the night before. In fact, in Hebrew culture, the, the day actually begins the evening before. So some of you might have noticed that the way you end your day is actually the way you start your day. So if you go to bed having watched a whole bunch of junk or been reading a whole bunch of venomous, toxic stuff in the news or on social media and you're going to bed later than you want to, you often find that you are waking up feeling the remnants of that. So I'm not saying it has to be in the morning. You might actually be able to spend time with God the night before where you are prioritizing time with God. The idea is, the principle is priority. It's up to you how you practice that. When I think of applying the idea of percentage, again, it's, it's really more just, just the idea that I don't just tick a box and say, okay, yeah, I said a quick prayer or, or I, I read the verse of the day. I want us to think about the fact that most of us are awake for 16 to 18 some people, which is really not healthy, to 20 hours a day. But let's, let's, let's say you get a good eight hours of sleep a night. 16 hours a day. I think it's okay to, to look at a small percentage and say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend 15 minutes with you. Or, or for those of you that have been on the road for a long time and you know that for you, 15 minutes is not enough. You might need to spend an, like half an hour or you might need to take another break, another gap at lunchtime. Well, for some people, there's even the idea of the morning, afternoon, and evening, and it's just a check-in. It's, it's almost like you just recalibrate. But look at it as a percentage. If you, if you even just spend 30 minutes a day out of 16 hours of, I know it's not disposable time because you're also working a large portion. Whatever time you're spending, is it a sufficient, percent, is it a sufficient percentage to influence the rest of the day? And if it isn't, then you might need to make an adjustment to the portion, the percentage of time that you try and get present with God. Then I want to add in a, another P, and that's the word persistence. I want to encourage you to persist. I want to encourage you not to give up when, when you don't feel like your emotions are, are catching up to your faithfulness and catching up to your obedience. Um, there are days, in fact, there are seasons, and many of you have experienced this already, where you've experienced that, that dryness, and you're going through the wilderness, and you're going through the winter, and, you, and you're trying to connect with God, and you just don't feel like you are. I don't want to patronize you. I just want to encourage you. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in doing good. Persevere. Persist. It will catch up. God won't be mocked. You will reap what you sow. And this idea of progression so we, we're talking about priority, like our time with God. We need to prioritize it. We need to give a, per, like a percentage or a portion and be realistic about that. We actually need to persist and, and persevere. But then this idea of progression, I honestly do believe that the longer I'm walking with God, the more of my life He should have control over. So I, I've actually got to ask myself the question, 
if I've been serving God for five years or 10 years or 20 years, does God have more or less of my life than what he did before? Does God have more or less of my life? And I want to challenge you that the longer you are walking with God, the longer you are loving God, the more of your life he should possess and own and control in the sense of influencing and directing and, and leading you. I can't encourage you enough towards these principles that are going to help you to be present with God where we can love God more. It is our prayer that, that we will love God more, enjoy God more, trust God more, obey God more, and live out His purposes for our lives. And, and these principles that I'm talking about, I, I actually think that in many cases there are promises attached to these principles. I think that the Bible is clear that when we prioritize God, when we put Him first, Matthew 6 verse 33 says that, that he, if, if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He'll, he'll add everything else that we need. Psalm 37 verse 4 says that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, He will give us the desires of our heart. Like it's a, it's a promise. As we prioritize God, as we put God first, we can't help it. He's going to, he's going to look after us. He's going to do what only God can do. And an example that I thought of in Scripture is actually Daniel. Um, some of you would know Daniel from Daniel in the Lion's Den fame. Um, I've got to tell you that even just going back over the story again and in, in, in just trying to prepare for this message, I was, I was deeply impacted and inspired again. In fact, in, in a whole new way, just, just trying to appreciate how dedicated Daniel was. Just how much he, just how much he loved God. It, it stood out to me, it stands out to me that that Daniel actually survived or served under four different kings. And Daniel is, is in a foreign land. He was actually taken captive into this land of Babylon. And then when this king is deposed, the next king takes over, they, they see what a good guy. I mean, I wish I had time to go into Daniel. It's a short book. Just even read the first few chapters. It's, it's an interesting, interesting book. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three guys that land up in the fire, that's also in those first few chapters. Here you have these guys that are foreigners. It's kind of like a young American college graduate being taken captive and, and taken into uh, Pyongyang in North Korea. And, and being trusted basically with helping administer and run the country. It's just ludicrous. It's completely crazy. But that's how dependable, that's how trustworthy Daniel and his friends were. And we, we see, if you read through the story carefully, you, you realize that, that it was because he prioritized God. In fact, in Daniel 1 verse 20, it says that whenever the king consulted them in, in any matter, this is referring to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. What an incredible compliment this would be if every follower of Jesus were seen as being 10 times more reliable, 10 times more patient, 10 times more dependable, 10 times more creative, 10 times more uh, willing to persevere and problem solve and, and have the back of their colleagues or, or other students. Come on, guys. 
We can't love God and, and it not make a difference in who we are. We cannot love God and not ultimately thrive. We see the priority of Daniel in chapter 6 where this is the third king that he's now serving. And, and the only thing that, that the people that he was over, that the other rulers... Uh, that he was overseeing, the only thing that they could find against him, because they, they didn't want this foreigner ruling them, the only thing that they could find against him, there was no issue of integrity, no issue of character. The only complaint they could find had to do with his relationship with God. And so they convinced the king to issue an edict where at a, at a certain time of every day, when a, when a certain sound plays, that everybody has to bow down and worship. In other words, we all have to put our trust and give honor to something that is not actually God. And, and Daniel refuses. We read simply one verse in Daniel 6, verse 10. By the way, the, the, the consequence of not bowing down and worshiping is that you get thrown into a den with a bunch of hungry lions. So, so you're, you're going to be ripped limb from limb. So there's quite a bit at stake if you don't do what has been... Uh, what has been commanded by the king. Daniel 6 verse 10 says, but, Daniel, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. And then look at this. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. It was a priority. This was such a habit. Daniel knew that he, could, that he could do in the natural what they're demanding and lose his relationship with God, or he could risk his life and honor God. God was the priority. Even with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I don't have time to read it, but if, but if you go into the book of Daniel and read their, their account, even there, where again, they're not bowing down, they're not, they're not worshiping the king, um, they get thrown into, they're about to get thrown into the fiery furnace, so hot, by the way, that it kills the soldiers that are trying to get them in there. And their words back to the king are, like, our God can save us. We know he's fully able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we will worship him. Like, that doesn't just come because you're courageous, you know, you Chuck Norris. No, no, it comes because you have developed a habit of prioritizing God in our lives. So I just want to encourage you that, that as we prioritize God, I believe that there are promises attached. Again, Matthew 6.33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Psalm 37 verse 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. The, the idea of percentage, um, again, I think that there is a, a type of priority, a, a promise attached very similar to the idea of priority in Psalm 1 verse 1 to 3, I've, I've adapted this, I've edited this a little bit, but you can go back and read the original. I'm not taking out the meaning. It says, Oh, the joys of those who delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on a day and night. Again, like, like it's a chunk of time. You're giving a percentage. You're prioritizing time. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Guys, we want you to be thriving in every season. Personally, this is my personal conviction, I even think the, the gift 
of Sabbath, the idea of Sabbath, the principle of Sabbath. I even think that Sabbath is a type of percentage. And it sounds so weird because we're not actually giving this up to God. We're actually receiving a gift from God. God actually gives us, I believe that God gives us one day a week to actually rest and refresh and enjoy Him in, with unrushed time. So if, if Sunday is your Sabbath, my encouragement is to, is to create margin before and after church. Create margin around time with your family and friends. Don't do anything that you don't have to do. On a, if, if you, one day out of seven, you're, he has give, you don't earn this rest. It is a gift from God. Don't wait until you've gotten everything done. No, no. Choose to accept. And, and think about the percentage that one full day is. 20, one 24-hour period. Think of the percentage that that is of a seven-day week. And I really do believe that God actually wants us to see that, that He can get done in us what we think will take seven days. He can get it done in six days. And I think that God actually attaches promises to that. We're saying that you don't have to work until you drop. That, that actually God gives rest to those He loves. I think that's in Psalm 121 or 127 or 123. I don't know. You'll find it. God gives rest <laughs> to the... In fact, it's in the context where he's saying that unless the, the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. So I want to encourage you, man. If you're too busy, and I've got to be really direct with you, if you're too busy to spend a, at least a small percentage of your time with God every day, if you're too busy to actually experiment with honoring what I think is a principle from God with a Sabbath, with a rest day a week, then it's possible that you are too busy to follow God. And you might just have to own that and move on. The idea of persistence, um, I believe that as we keep persisting, again, the promise attached there, Galatians 6 verse 9, is that, is that we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I came across this quote the other day by Karen Neoff where he says that your emotions eventually catch up to your obedience. Your emotions eventually catch up to your obedience. So I want to encourage you, if you're feeling flat, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling distracted, it's amazing how we can all be on, on opposite extremes of this, of this pendulum. I just want to encourage you to persist. You may not be feeling what you want to feel. You may not experience everything you want to experience with God every time you sit down to spend time with Him or every time you sit down for church. But I want to encourage you to persist. Your emotions eventually will catch up to your obedience. And lastly, progression. I don't know that I want to say that, well, there are, there are actually so many promises attached to us giving our lives to God. But, but the, big, the, big, the biggest encouragement that struck me as I was thinking about this idea of progression is a passage in the book of Acts that's been challenging me since I was probably about 20 years old. I just recently started serving God wholeheartedly. And it was the first time that I came across this passage found in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. This is Paul, one of the early church leaders, and he says, And my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I remember the first time I read that, like I, I, I had to stop. It, I was like, 
I, mean, I remember thinking, how can anyone sincerely say this? Because that, I mean, I was a young guy. I'm like, there's plenty about my life that I still want. Thanks, thank you very much. Like, I, I knew that I couldn't say wholeheartedly that my life is worth nothing to me unless I'm doing God's will. But this is where progression comes in. I want to encourage you. Again, if you've been serving God for many years and you're not experiencing any more desire to want to give over parts of your life and, and just live increasingly surrendered, then it's possible that you're not growing in loving God. Again, I want to go back to the question I asked earlier. Does God have more or less of my life than before? Our values influence our habits. Our habits influence our culture and our culture ultimately form our lives. Our four core values are to love God, love people, pursue excellence, and to choose joy. And today, I want to encourage you in a commitment to loving God. And I believe that the key way to doing that is to practice being present. I would love for you every day this week, at the end of the day, when you go to bed, for one of the last thoughts, one of the last questions in your mind to be, God, how present have I been with you today? And by means of a very simple practice, I want to encourage you, just give it a go for the next seven days to spend at least 15 focused minutes with God. Our prayer is that you will love God more, that you will enjoy God more, that you will trust God more, and that you will obey God more. I believe that God has an incredible adventure for us. I believe that when we actually prioritize Him, when we are progressing in our surrender to Him, I believe that we can get to a place where we are living closely to God, that through our meetings, through our relationships, through schoolwork, through, through opportunities, that we can actually get to the end of the day on a, on a somewhat regular basis and put our heads down on the pillow and say, I was made for this. I was made for this. Yeah, it was a tough day. Yes, it was tired, but this is like a healthy tired. But you can actually feel like you are thriving. It is our, it is our prayer that we would not only just survive long-term, but that long-term, that surviving would actually move to thriving. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much that you have, I believe, so kindly, I mean, we don't deserve it, it's purely by your grace that you've actually invited us to enjoy a vibrant, vital, life-giving, flourishing, reproducing relationship with you. So God, I pray that wherever people are at in their journey with you, that we would say yes to the next right thing that we know to do. Whether, that's, whether that is beginning a relationship with you, or whether maybe for some of us there's this challenge of actually progressing. So not perfection, but progression. God, where we know that you've been, you've been prompting us towards something. Help us to say yes. Help us to say yes to whatever you are leading us to do. God, would you help us to prioritize being present with you. Help us, Lord, not to always just be rushed and harassed, but to actually prioritize being present with you. God, help us, Lord, those of us that are discouraged, help us to persist, to persevere. And God, slowly but surely, help us to make progress as we continue to walk with you, walking in the good things that you have planned for us in advance. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Grace and peace. We'll see you next Sunday.